Hello and welcome back to the Mood Sport Bethak podcast. I'm your host DD and joining me today once again is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode we'll be wrapping up of what has been an intense post race Abu Dhabi GP. So, <laughs> let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready our opinions and dive right into the conversation. Vedant Max Verstappen is the F1 2021 world champion. At least he'll be leaving Abu Dhabi as one. Uh obviously this was the worst case scenario that we were hoping wouldn't happen uh but it's much i think you know it's it's worse than what we thought it would be i am tired i am flustered and not even coffee can hide you know the tiredness in my <laughs> voice uh i am falling asleep here this is all obviously our fifth take to start this podcast and hopefully we'll we'll have a decent conversation uh over the next hour or so but how are you feeling you know it has been an intense 5 hours uh but you know what are, what are your thoughts um Well, it's one forty a.m. in India, and the decisions and all the decisions for tonight are finally in from Abu Dhabi, right? And I think that chai is very much necessary right now. But uh, yeah, I was about to say that you know it's it's like that Murphy's law thing that every win, everything that can go wrong will go wrong, and we never. I mean, yes, we were half expecting things to go wrong in Abu Dhabi, things to take. Uh, an ugly turn but i mean everyone was expecting it to be on track right that like either of them will turn into each other no one was expecting this and yeah it's it's just a big big disappointment from like from yeah, everyone yeah we, we all thought that the yeah we all thought that the messenger of uh, protests and post race controversy would be max verstappen yeah. and not uh, fia <laughs> not themselves. fia yeah <laughs> so <laughs> so uh yeah yeah the you you pointed that out pretty well but um obviously if if just i want to point this out you know if you look back to our pre-season podcast right uh we said that 21 races was was the absolute maximum that we wanted uh you know in in a championship and look what happened with mm-hmm. one more race on the calendar yeah <laughs> um it's 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 a weird feeling uh because you know obviously the championship is over but in 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 one way you know the championship is over but it just doesn't feel like it feels like there's more and by that i don't allude to the fact that you know uh whatever mercedes is intending to do which which will cover you know in in this podcast but just from a racing point of view it just doesn't feel like you know that the championship is over it just feels like there there's more to come or it's like th- there's a sense of incompleteness in a way uh that that i can't really describe very well at this moment but uh i'm i'm pretty sure you understand w- what i'm trying to say here Yeah I mean absolutely the the sense of satisfaction that we receive while watching motorsports and you know good racing is not there the the stuff that happened on track today like not the stuff that happened on track but the decisions around it and the the controversy around it it does not make for a fitting end to what this season has been and that is the exactly. most disappointing part i mean see FIA have been this inconsistent throughout the season and we can give them that no problem but the end to this spectacular season has been disappointing for racing and for formula 1 as a whole uh yeah and um, you know not like the grand prix itself was exciting after the first five corners yeah. itself you know <laughs> it was a pretty uh, placid grand prix thanks to what was a commanding you know um race from lewis hamilton to say the least uh he was in control from lap 1 until uh, whenever the safety car came out uh, you know lap 50 or so but uh, we, we we'll get on to that uh, you know once once i just cover once we just cover what has you know come out of 
um, of race control, I guess, you know, over the last two hours. So obviously, Mercedes, uh, you know, uh, launched two protests. The first protest was regarding the fact that Max Verstappen apparently overtook uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton behind the safety car. And the second protest was regarding, you know, um, the safety car regulations and the way uh, there was the safety car restart uh, on the last lap of the race. Now, both of those appeals were thrown out and we will be covering those appeals uh, in detail right here. Uh, but uh, once those appeals were thrown out, Mercedes have lodged an intention to appeal the dismissal of the race classification protest, which was their second protest. Um, uh, they now have a 72-hour window to decide whether they will proceed with an appeal to the ICA, that is the FIA International Court of Appeal. Uh, you know, and um, I guess, you know, there, there are a lot of questions coming out of this. What is surprising is that uh, Lewis, uh, obviously, we didn't see him in the post-race post pen. We all obviously saw him in the post-race, you know, interview at, uh, under the podium. But uh, he, he didn't fulfill any of his media duties. And uh, I'll be interested to know, uh, you know, most of all, what does Lewis think of, think of all of this? Now, regarding the first appeal, Vedan, let's, let's cover those appeals, uh, you know, right away, uh, yeah. one by one. Regarding the first appeal... Um, Obviously, you know, Mercedes thought that that since uh, Max Verstappen was just slightly ahead, they, they might be able to get Max a five-second time penalty. But obviously, that was thrown out on the basis that, you know, Max was not ahead at the start line. Uh, but Max is obviously allowed to be side-by-side side with uh, Lewis Hamilton. And obviously, Red, Red Bull argued the fact that both drivers were really slow and they were just going on and off throttle, uh, which was my opinion too of, of it. But I guess, um, I guess the way to interpret the rules here is, you know, or, or the point of contention was what what is an overtake uh, or you know and how would you classify that behind a safety car and you know how much time would you give a driver to uh, give back a position if he ends up overtaking another driver uh, behind the safety car so what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean uh, firstly what max verstappen did was while i mean he was trying to intimidate lewis hamilton in a way right we all know that but the way he did it was quite tricky and it could have cost him a lot because just assume this had like Lewis Hamilton was right beside Max Verstappen all Lewis had to do was you know uh, push the brakes a little harder and Max would have gone a little further ahead than he did so he he might have gone you know uh, uh, his front wheel to Lewis's front wing so at least of wing ahead and that would have been real evidence for Mercedes to uh, to for for that protest. But since that kind of uh, Max never got that kind of advantage, it was only inches at the max. It was never really you know contentious. It it wasn't any advantage that Max gained. But yeah, it it was very tricky. Uh, it I mean had Max Verstappen gone even a quarter of a car length ahead of. Lewis Hamilton, you know, just put his front wheel ahead of Lewis's front wheel. I think uh, Mercedes would have had a pretty, pretty strong case for that overtake. Um, I, I guess, but, you know, I'm pretty sure they would have looked at the data and the, and the throttle and brake races yeah. uh, during that time. And I, I, I still feel they would have come to the same decision as long as Max didn't, you know, overtake and do something, uh, uh, something dangerous, I guess, or he wasn't ahead at the line. Uh, but obviously, though that appeal has been thrown out, and Mercedes is satisfied with the result uh, or, or the decision of the of the stewards. Uh, what is in contention at the moment is the second protest that was dismissed, which uh, Mercedes will be uh, has has said that they intend to appeal that uh, in in the International Court of Arbitration. Now, obviously, uh, the second protest was regarding the fact that you know um, the procedure that was followed by Mark, Michael Massey to let only 
uh, five of the eight lap cars through uh, under the safety car and then restart the race on the same lap as, as you know at the end of the same lap yeah when the lap cars o- Have, overtook you yeah. know the leader and the safety car uh, is the point of contention um now if you if you read the rules you know obviously uh, the articles or the section in the sporting like regulations article number that talks about this particular uh, breach of rules 48.12 which has been pointed out by everyone on twitter uh, and uh, the first paragraph of the article reads if the clerk of the course considers it safe to do so and the message lap cars may now what has been sent to all competitors via the official mes- messaging system any any cars uh any cars that have been lapped by the leader will be required to pass the cars on the lead lap and safety car now obviously you know the point of contention again was this particular word any and not uh, and the fact that it was any and not all yeah uh, which justified <laughs> the fact that you know michael masi can uh, uh, you know uh, slice and dice whatever he wants and uh, do do whatever he wants uh, regarding which cars need need to you know uh, be let through and which cars not um and obviously there there are more parts to this you know obviously uh, the section 15.3 uh, which basically allows uh, gives michael masi overriding authority over any decisions regarding the use of safety car which ha- which has been questioned right now and uh, we'll address that in a separate question uh, but uh, this got thrown out however like i said you know mercedes will be protesting that and if you read the rest of the article uh, you know 48.12 i think the point of contention that mercedes will bring up is um, is in is in the third paragraph so like the last sentence of the third paragraph which says unless the clerk of the course considers the presence of the safety car is still necessary once the last lapped car has passed the leader the safety car will return to the pits at the end of the following lap so i think you know that is that is the important uh, you know code there the following lap now obviously like i said again you know just before this article 15.3 uh, was quoted by the stewards in their uh, in their uh, doc in their you know decision document i think and that is the overriding factor here which allows michael masi to essentially call the race as he sees uh fit uh, now people have also questioned the fact that you know why were there two messages first there was you know overtaking will not be permitted and then there was you know that these cars are supposed to overtake and i think that is not the controversial part because of the fact that you know michael masi is allowed to control when and when not the cars will be overtaken uh, obviously the two messages usually you only you know issue the one message that uh, lap cars are now allowed to overtake yeah. whenever that is uh, when, whenever they are free to do so uh, but um, the two messages you know uh, is confusing but it's it's nothing you know irregular or uh, illegal from michael massey to say the least but uh, like i pointed out you know the point of contention will be uh, that code uh, that says uh, that safety car will return to the pits at the end of the following lap so what are your thoughts on this vedant and where uh, do you see this appeal going yeah i mean first of all you know i mean i don't know it was a very tricky situation for for michael masi and for his team i think michael masi when uh, when christian horner called up michael masi on the radio and you know he was like why aren't uh, lap cars being allowed to lap uh, allowed to unlap so michael masi said okay f- see my first job is to ensure the uh, that latifi's safety. car is out right and safety of the, of the marshals and okay that 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 was taken care of and everything that followed but yeah i think since michael masi has an overriding factor and control with him he can use it and so i mean basically and we saw this in uh, in baku as well they threw in a red flag so that we can have two races of you know two laps of racing so i think that was the thought process behind 
for Michael that we can, we can have at least one lap of racing basically. But uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty sticky situation. Yeah, obviously, you know that that brings up a lot of questions that we're going to address. You yeah, know, I have I have that in my notes, but uh, um, I I want to know what are your thoughts specifically regarding this particular process? What happened? Um, you know, uh, do you think it was right of Michael Massey to do what he did? Uh, you know, do you think um, uh, Mercedes are going to get anywhere with this particular appeal uh, in the International Court of Arbitration? Because I want to remind you that you know, uh, in 2007 when Kimi won the World Championship, uh, at that time you know Lewis Hamilton finished second by one point. He finished seventh in the race uh, because of gearbox issues. But uh, there were a couple drivers. Uh, I think um, I, I don't. I think it might have been Nico Rosberg. Uh, I think him and someone else, maybe Robert Kubica, uh, the temperatures of their fuel was measured, I think, after the race, and it was lower uh, than whatever was, you know, required of it or something like that. Uh, and McLaren appealed that, the FIA dismissed it, and McLaren went to the ICA uh, once again to, you know, appeal that decision. But because of uh, what was said as, you know, um, whatever, you know, the... I'm forgetting the word, but the accuracy of measurement was not good enough to, you know, uh, penalize those teams and disqualify those drivers from the race. So basically, which is why Lewis Hamilton lost out on the championship. But even at that time, you know, uh, Lewis Hamilton came out and said that uh, winning winning the championship in the ICA would have was not the way he wanted to win the championship, uh, which is why I said, you know, uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what Lewis thinks of all of this uh, appeal that Mercedes is doing. But yeah, I want to know your thoughts specifically to this particular, you know, whether Mercedes are, are going to get anywhere with, with all these appeals. Uh, and whether you know um, this this is worse for them, whatever they are doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Mercedes will get anywhere with with that appeal, honestly, because I think the ICA is a very very high body. You know, uh, it is it's not a FIA steward's office where you can appeal and everything, anything like that. It is a much more sophisticated uh, body of, you know, a much more sophisticated body and. I think challenging a world championship there, first of all, it it might seem a little silly and petty, and I'll be I'm I'm very frank here, right? But I think secondly, they won't they won't deal with this. I mean, had it been a major issue, a major controversy like the crash gate or the spy gate or something like that, those are the things that the ICA needs to look into, right? And I think the championship. And the racing, things like that, don't really fall under the uh, jurisdiction of the ICA per se. Obviously, it's like the Supreme Court, and they will hear to any cases that come to them. But yeah, then again, it's 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 not the kind of cases they would usually get, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm skeptical of the fact that you know the ICA falls under the FIA's umbrella, so it's it's unlikely that they'll give you a different decision to already what has been said and done. Um, so do you feel that, uh, you know, Mercedes should go to, uh, you know, the court of arbitration for sport instead straight away, uh, to appeal this particular, uh, decision and, and the world championship? I mean, see, it's, again, it's a very sticky situation and I think Toto Wolf is going to do anything in his power to get these decisions at least reviewed and, if it means to go it if this means going to the international court i think he will he would do that because the i mean yeah that's i think that's how i see it or how i see total I mean, yeah, going the, about the it. way i the way i look at it is like you know uh 
drawing this out is not good for anyone not for mercedes not for red bull not for the not for whoever the eventual winner is and not especially not for the sport yeah absolutely however uh, you know mercedes has the right to appeal so you know if if they do it they're simply exercising their right uh, and and you know there's there's nothing wrong about that uh, but um, the secondary effects of these you know uh, of whatever uh, if if they choose to appeal is not is not going to be helpful to anyone really and it's a lose lose situation for everyone and um I mean, I I I I I wouldn't think that you know Lewis would want to win his eighth title in such a fashion. Uh, so yeah. I don't know if how how much Lewis is you know involved with these discussions with Toto, but uh, you know, um, I mean, Lewis was very gracious in defeat uh, after the race. You know, uh, he was very great. You know, he 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 gave a really good interview. Uh, he was very you know calm and he he was just uh, and it, it is what you would expect from a seven-time world champion. Uh, and if even if you look in 2007 both lewis and fernando said that uh, you know winning winning like i said before winning um the world championship uh, in a court of appeal uh, you know would not would not uh, would not be the way they w- they would want to win so again i'll i'll be interested to see what lewis thinks to follow this and again lewis and his dad both congratulated max and his family you know max and his dad after the race uh, and it seemed like that would have been the end all and be all of the race which is why even though the race had finished and I jumped straight to twitter to see you know what the reaction was <laughs> and you know whether mercedes were going to appeal it um that particular uh, scene after the race uh, gave me some hope that you know mercedes might just let the slide you know they might just let it be and uh, accept uh, what what has been yeah i mean i think i think lewis did not attend the post race uh, press events because of this you know basically that mercedes were planning to appeal and everything like that so had lewis attended attended the uh, pressers he would have been you know still he would have been gracious in defeat and he would have been a a, gra- a grace you, you know just a nice vice champion basically and all his words would have taken the weight of mercedes's appeals away appeal away yeah exactly yeah. so i think that's what mercedes was trying to do when he when i mean that's what i think that they did not allow Lewis to attend those pressers and instead they put all the all the weight in these protests. Yeah, and uh, I think the way, you know, obviously usually throughout the season we've seen Lewis angry, we've seen him grumpy, we've seen him uh a little upset uh at times, but the way he approached this last weekend was uh what you would expect from a seven-time world champion, you know, Absolutely. he was uh uh you know especially after like you know especially after the qualifying session where he lost out to Max Verstappen by almost 4 four tens four which tens, is which yeah. is a huge margin you know uh, uh catering the fact that uh, the mercedes has been fast all weekend long over the last couple of months especially and uh, in the post qualifying interview lewis was really calm he you know he didn't seem upset a lot by his performance and uh it just seemed like i i think i texted you and i said you know lewis is a, has either accepted the fact that uh, you know red bull are really fast and uh, he's already made peace with it or he's very quietly confident in the fact that no matter what he's going to win tomorrow and uh, the start of the race just showed that how confident he was his reaction but time was 0.25 seconds i think any reaction time below 0.2 seconds is technically considered uh, a jump start uh, <laughs> i believe uh, within the rules so he was that quick which just goes to show how confident he was in his ability and then like i said you know it was a controlled race through and through from lewis uh, and in my opinion you know even if he was if he was penalized 5 seconds for his uh, first incident with max verstappen on lap 1 uh, 
uh, Lewis would have still won the race and arguably the championship because he would have finished more than five seconds ahead of Max Verstappen uh, with the w- with the w- way the race was panning out because Max didn't have the pace to you know close the gap between himself and Lewis even on the fresh set of hearts that he took under the virtual safety car. Yeah, absolutely. That was, I mean, as you said, and you know, given the fact that Max was on soft tires, and for Lewis to take that take that start, and the way he did it was absolutely sensational. And I mean, yes, Max Verstappen went for that move on the on the first lap, which did came undone, and you know, we we'll, we might talk about it later. But the way Lewis Hamilton took that start and maintained that lead was just the defining thing that a seven-time and you know potentially eight-time world champion is capable yeah. of doing. And and the race was argu- arguably you know like with everything that that has happened. I don't mean you know before the penalties and the safety safety car restart, but arguably the race was won and lost in that first corner. Yeah, for Lewis absolutely, Hamilton, you know? absolutely. Uh, for the first fifty laps, Lewis won that race by you know uh, overtaking uh, overtaking Max Verstappen Off on that the line. first corner. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, arguably you know he lost it because of the same very same reason. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, what, you know what what a performance from him. Uh, this weekend, uh, and e- even even on the last lap, you know, Lewis didn't make it easy for Max Verstappen. They were neck and neck through sector two, and it was only in the third sector, you know, where it's impossible to you know be side by side, basically yeah. racing, uh, that Max was able to get ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Otherwise, Lewis did not make it easy even on those old tires, uh, while Max was on fresh softs for him to be able to overtake him. So that just goes to show, uh, you know, how hard he tried today, uh, you know, to to be the eighth time world champion uh, obviously even though he didn't get the world championship mercedes did put another feather in there um whatever that quarters <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh obviously they, they are eight time world champions uh you know eighth consecutive world championship for them constructors so that is huge uh no other constructor has dominated the sport that much but now let's get into the specific questions here uh that we have with recording the discussion we've had so far um first of all why did Michael Massey not throw a red flag? All of this could have been avoided just by simply throwing a red flag. Now, the entire season, Michael Massey has thrown a red flag <laughs> for the smallest of reasons. Yeah. And uh, now when he has a chance to, you know, make make it less controversial and more exciting, he goes for the safety car and makes it way more controversial than it needs to be. And I think it was Karun Chandok on Skypad. He said that he had a chat with Michael Massey before the race. And, Michael, and you know, he basically asked Michael Massey that, you know, uh, would he throw out a red flag if if an incident like you know Latifi's accident occurred, and Michael Massey was like, no, we would only go with a safety car. Which and and Karan John Dog did not go ahead and you know list what the reason was behind this particular decision by Michael Massey, but uh, even before the race, you know, we knew that Michael basically Karan John Dog knew that Michael Massey won't be throwing a red flag, which is so surprising like why not you know why go for a one lap race make it farcical make it controversial when you could have just thrown a red flag and given everyone an eight lap sprint to finish the world championship i mean i think it comes right down to the fact that the fia and michael amasi have been inconsistent this season you know as you said they have thrown out red flags for every for small little things and they have because been, that's been what here like like you like you said earlier you know this they did that in baku with two laps remaining so why not now yeah exactly it's i mean and i mean so earlier the precedent for red flags would have been uh to repair the barriers right 
but i think in in baku there was no damage to the barrier and even that damage was not uh, not a safety issue for the drivers because it was on the sidewall and not on a braking spot as per se so in baku the safety issue was that you know max verstappen's car was right there on the straight and yeah, it's but, not a very wide straight but they were going through the pit lane for 3 laps and yeah, then yeah. the red flag happened absolutely yeah that's right yeah yeah so and again that red flag happened so that they could have two laps of racing and no uh basically the the race did not finish behind the safety car and yeah exactly once again this was the exactly the same thing and again inconsistent and you know people have been saying that michael massey you know he doesn't know it he's he's making decisions under pressure but clearly this was at least this was deliberate because if he if he had decided before prior to the race that you know i'm not going to throw a red flag today this was deliberate uh, and it was definitely a deliberate attempt to get the race going and make it as short as possible and as exciting as possible which brings me to the next question um why is the fia trying to put up a show for f1 is that their job or is fia's job to enforce the rules and simply do that regardless of the outcome of the race uh, of the championship uh, and the entertainment value of of the sport itself I mean that's what we have been <laughs> asking for for a year now right I mean again But because you could say you know like I said about the following lap rule that you know my, the race could have ended under safety car if Michael Massey did not want to throw a red flag yeah uh, and obviously that would not have been the end we expected but it have been way less controversial than it is now uh, and you know uh, what what is Michael Massey trying to do what what is motor racing according to Michael Massey like he said he told Toto Wolff Yeah and I mean I think if you look at the second half of the season i think we i mean if you look at the trends look at the incidents involving max and lewis the penalties and the reprimands and everything like that and i think we uh, talked about this in the earlier podcast as well in the preview podcast what uh, the the people in on the wtf1 podcast said basically yeah uh, the the latter part of the season when we were, we could see that this was going to be a epic championship and it it would go down to abu dhabi i think that's when the influence of fia and all this stuff started started happening but yeah it's not right you know it's not right the fia are not i mean yeah they they are like umpires in cricket and umpires don't yeah yeah umpires don't give a 4 or a 6 just because it will make a match exciting if yeah <laughs> I mean, you know, basically that, right? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I mean, um, and obviously, you know, the sights have been on 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 the top of the grid on Max and Lewis, uh, but obviously, other people uh, because of that safety car decision uh, were also affected. You know, only five cars were let go, so clearly, uh, you know, uh, Carlos Sainz, who was stuck behind Daniel Ricciardo and Lance Stroll, uh, suffered because he had Yuki Tsunoda and Pierre Gasly on his tail uh, at the restart, trying to overtake him. and arguably you know uh, he could have lost his podium because of that particular decision um because you know Daniel Ricardo and Sebastian Vettel's cars were slower compared to his arguably yeah. so it it obviously had you know effects throughout the grid and not just on Max and um Lewis's championship but uh, you know arguably all of that is not as important as <laughs> as the championship <laughs> decided it itself and like you pointed out you know we covered that in the Abu Dhabi race preview but obviously you know uh it it was a little It, it was a huge discussion and a little too late yeah. <laughs> uh, so i guess no not 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 people didn't really hear it but um basically you know uh, and it's and it's not the first time you know uh, obviously tom on wtf1 podcast points it out every now and then and that the fact that you know fia genuinely 
try to influence the championship and make it more exciting with the decisions they make. And this is not the first time that they, they have done this. They have done this in the past multiple times. Um, I, I can't come up with an example because... Um, my F1 history is not that great, <laughs> uh, but um, you know I, I I generally tend to confuse things. But uh, you know, it it just goes to show. Like we talked about, you know, the incident in Brazil. We talked about what happened in Jeddah. Uh, you know, if Lewis had had gotten a reprimand, he would have had a ten place grid penalty or something. And then if Max was given a uh, ten second penalty, that is ideally you know a thirty second penalty post race penalty. You know. So he would have not finished second, and he would have been behind on points going into this race. Um, so all of those things, you know, which, which just goes to show that w- what is FIA trying to do, and uh, if if well, I guess this is this will, this question is like you know uh, a little later, so I'll, I'll come to that later. But um, let's let's talk about you know obviously we we mentioned Article fifteen point three a few times uh, in this conversation, uh, and it makes more or less Michael Massey unaccountable for. Uh, decisions he makes regarding quite a few factors in the race right uh, and one of those factors is uh, safe, uh, the use of safety car uh, so the article basically states that uh, michael massey has overriding authority over the use of safety car amongst other things um, but what can be done to hold him accountable now like you mentioned cricket earlier right in cricket we have uh, we have the review system now yeah uh, you know uh, we have the cricket drs yeah. <laughs> uh, if if you want to call it the uh, you know uh, so uh, we have that is, is can can F one FIA implement something like that to hold Michael Massey accountable because the the question is you know obviously Michael Ma- Michael Massey has overriding authority but in what sense you know again is it to make racing more exciting is it to make racing safer because uh, along with that particular article there's also a hundred page sporting regulation rule book. That says, you know, that that points out the way safety cars have to be used, how safety car restart should be, and things like that, which is, you know, all the articles listed under Section 48. So is that just a guideline then, just a suggestion for Michael Massey? Or, you know, how, how can this be policed better um, so that we, we get, I wouldn't say f- better racing, but fair racing uh, at least? Yeah, I mean, I think the the fact that the race director has... And overriding authority is good, you know, because there are certain. I mean, it has to be absolute. Yeah, yeah. there are certain. You can't waste time to make decisions. That's for sure. And mm. we wouldn't like, you know, we have said this again, 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 uh, that we don't want decisions to be made after the race. If there's a way to make decisions during the race, do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are certain situations where you need an overriding authority, and if Michael Massey is the race director and he's the senior most per- person. And the, you know the one with that authority, it should be that. But I think he, he or anyone in his position, should use that authority fairly. And I mean, there must be a review. Obviously, FIA must do some kind of audits and some kind of reviews after each race, and you know how each incident was taken control of. So I guess just I mean because for me having that and un- that uh, overriding authority is a must in 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 a sport like formula one where there's a lot of safety at stake and a lot of different aspects but yeah uh, review reviewed that and just make better use of it basically i don't i mean um yeah i mean there's not not much more to add to it for me I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, I, I agree with the fact that there has to be 
basically an basically a single authoritarian individual person right uh to make decisions as as quickly as possible but i wonder if just adding a clause um within the sporting regulations you know it says overriding authority over safety car overriding authority over a race you know a race start or whatever i wonder if just simply adding the clause because obviously you know um the f1 version of a review system is the appeals and the protests that we have yeah. after the race but in the case of uh in the case of a championship world championship decided it becomes a bit farcical right no one wants to win it this way so my question is can we add a clause that says unless for safety reasons the race director is supposed to follow the guidelines or the regulations laid out in in this particular rule book you know uh, and only in the case of safety reasons and you know for to prioritize safety he can you know go away from the regulations that have been listed here yeah i mean absolutely that 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 is a no brainer because the reason they have that unprecedented you know that that authority is for certain reasons and if they use that authority apart from those certain reasons it is a shame and i mean i think after the season that we have had fia are going to have a very tough winter and i think there is a lot of things that need to be reviewed need to be audited and need to be made better before the next season starts and since they have i mean since there is a new technical regulations coming in new type new cars coming in you can say they have a symbolic clean sheet you know they can make better use of you can they can start a new era basically but yeah i think if michael masi wants his legacy to be better i think they need they need to do do something about it i i i don't think at this point it's about michael masi's legacy yeah i mean i was about, i was just saying it yeah yeah it's just about making the right decisions you know uh and uh, ma- making the fair decisions you know i i think michael masi may have gotten caught, caught you know may have found himself in a position where there might be external forces you know uh, pushing him to you know uh basically make make racing more exciting like you've talked before and he might have gotten caught up in that but um, i think uh, it's in his best interest and in the sport's best interest uh to you know to just do what they're meant to do you know uh, and that is basically enforce enforce the rules um i wonder if you know having having like a second person to help michael masi out with some things like you know suppose like michael masi is a race director right but some of the procedural things are set in stone uh, unless he has overriding authority like you know the clerk of the race so i wonder if having a second person alongside michael masi would help with that and who could you know while michael masi is looking into the more um, specific detailed matters uh, this particular person could just carry on with the regulations you know with the race with the procedural things about the race uh, as listed out in the regulation uh, in in the rule book basically uh, allowing michael masi to concentrate on whatever he needs to do yeah i mean i mean it's it's a good uh, good solution and but i think and i i mean i don't know it it's a very complicated right. topic yeah, and i mean it's a long long winter for them there uh, there needs to be changes uh, you know there needs to be some changes and yeah we'll see what what definitely and obviously the rules regarding uh, safety car restarts will be looked at after this and will be discussed widely among in in the community itself uh but i guess uh the next question that arises from this is like should the teams be allowed to contact the race director i feel now this is my opinion you know i feel 
even in the case of an appeal i don't think the teams need to be in that room except to just send them evidence i feel all of that should be in a written form or you know it should be basically relaying information i don't feel teams need to be present or need to have uh, an audio visual uh, input to the race director right uh, everything can be said and done in words it can be said and done through evidence and that is what should be done and i don't think uh, the teams should be allowed i mean at the start of the season you know the particular team radio stuff uh, between between the teams and michael masi was regarded as the best thing to happen to the sport <laughs> and clearly everyone wants to get rid of it um, and i feel you know when when team team principal whoever from the team is reaching out to michael masi when all of this is going on it is basically distracting michael masi right uh, and uh, they're trying to sway his opinion they're trying to sway his decision and i feel all of that should just not be required um, should not be allowed and you know uh, it should just be a one way communication michael masi decides based on the information that he has available he he relays it to the team and if the team has a problem with that they appeal it after the race yeah but then again you know it comes the topic that why are we deciding races and potentially championships after the race gets over yeah that is true but you know uh, would you rather have a safe race you know like Uh, or have something as controversial as today because even when Christian Horner reached out to Michael Massey you know today during during the safety car uh he was like hey why aren't you you know letting the lap cars through and Michael Massey asked him for a minute and then explained that his safety is the first priority now if he had just simply not taken that call he might have been able to push those buttons faster like he complained in the last race yeah uh yeah that's true and i mean i think a solution for this is that only the coordinator the team coordinator i think that's the sporting coordinator i'm forgetting the title but only one designated person should be able to contact michael masi and only in you know whatever situation it may be when team principals contact michael masi it gets a little too hectic for him and because the team principals are much more let's say passionate at that given moment than the coordinator than the designated person is and i mean we have seen this throughout the season that whenever toto wolf or christian horner talk to michael masi they are very aggressive and when you know the other people talk to michael masi they are much more calm and much more uh yeah civilized i guess uh it, it, the communication is a lot more straightforward in that case but yeah. i feel, i still feel like you know even if you want to appeal it during the race don't don't hinder with no, the function of you know michael masi and what he's trying to do in the moment you know if you want to send an appeal i'm pretty sure there are other channels that can be created or that are already available uh, to the teams you know to do that or maybe you know someone someone should just be in charge of that you know like michael masi should have a communication uh, director or something in <laughs> in the stewards room yeah. <laughs> uh, to handle all of this and then yeah, give that information to michael yeah. masi whenever possible yeah absolutely uh, so yeah so yeah obviously that is something that uh, the fia should look into uh, and i guess the question is you know uh, did f1 lose some fans today both old and new uh it's been a tiresome day and it's been a bit farcical it's been a bit uh, over the top it's been a bit uh, disappointing uh, underwhelming and all the other adjectives uh, <laughs> but do you feel you know um did f1 lose a few fans today both old and new and uh, i i don't think it's going to have a huge effect because you know this is the end of the season and in 3 months we'll forget it uh, but uh, you know i i still feel there will be some repercussions uh, because of this I mean yeah it's as you know as old fans we like to call ourselves like not old but you know I mean I'm not that old yeah but you know yeah. not not DTS fans basically <laughs> yeah yeah but I think 
I think we are like personally I'm more disappointed than a newer fan might might have been I guess but yeah that's beside the point but uh I don't think we lose any fans I think formula 1 is a wonderful sport uh these situations happen and I mean I think after even after crash gate I don't think we would have lost any more fans than you know after yeah, any season so yeah i think the biggest I, I fan loss would have been after the 2005 usgp <laughs> but yeah that's another thing yeah yeah i i i guess we just need time to reach out i think it's like the same thing you know after after the saudi arabian uh, gp we were all feeling a little drained yeah i think it's the same case here but this time we have 3 months 98 days to recharge uh from uh, from today but i guess you know um obviously both the drivers were deserving of the championship regardless of whoever won today uh it would have been a great result either way as long as it finished on track yeah. <laughs> and it still is Absolutely. it still is uh you know uh, we have max verstappen as uh i i, I want to say i don't want to say interim but you know we have max he is the champion of the world right 2021 uh, formula 1 world yeah. champion absolutely on the top of the world um so i i just i just want to put this to you know we obviously talked about uh, i just want to hear your response to when i put these questions to you we obviously talked about uh, how the safety car created this whole situation and you know um and Lewis Hamilton could have won he was in charge of the race he had a commanding lead and what not uh do you think so there's two questions you know uh, one after the other do you think Lewis Hamilton was robbed of a race win by who by the FIA i don't think yes by the FIA yeah. just like simply was he robbed uh, robbed of a race win by the FIA or anyone really you know was this race his to win uh i mean yes his, this race was his to win you know that start was phenomenal phenomenal and he would have won the championship but then again it is a race where there would be safety cars there would be red flags there would be incidents and i think no but the way you know again the way it was handled because arguably you know there sh- there shouldn't have been any any a safety car restart it should have just ended under safety car yeah uh, but do you feel I mean let let's not think about a championship you know <laughs> let, if this was a if this was the first race of the season do you think Lewis Hamilton would have been robbed of a race when uh, looking at the result I mean I don't think so <laughs> I I mean I personally do I, see once again I'm very un- uncomfortable as- answering these questions because <laughs> I might sound a bit biased but yeah it's <laughs> well my next question was going to be you know was Lewis Hamilton robbed of a championship <laughs> but if you don't feel he was robbed of a race when you definitely don't feel he was robbed of a championship but if you ask me if Lewis Hamilton was robbed of a race when I'd say yes uh if you say you know uh, was Lewis Hamilton robbed of a championship I'd say you tell me about it you know uh, <laughs> I I don't know I can't I can't make a decision there so yeah. yeah um I feel that but uh overall you know what a season is it has been and obviously we'll be bringing our listeners the race uh not the race the season uh, review or the season recap in 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 a week's time so obviously i'm looking forward to that but there's still a lot more to talk about on what happened today <laughs> uh, this was obviously about max and lewis and my god there was so much to talk about uh and obviously you know max will race with the number, number one, one next yeah. year on his car and on his jersey that will be max's number instead of 33 uh so you know for all the max fans uh If you still like the number thirty-three, grab that merch before it disappears for at least the next year, uh, or so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I don't know. Like, just one more thing. You know, I don't know if you saw the replays, uh, uh, you know, of Christian Horner and like his team on the pit wall. But the engineering director at Red Bull has nerves of steel. That man has ice in his veins. The last lap, you know, I was sitting in my chair, and the last lap, my heart was just like 
it it was out of my chest <laughs> you know i was beating so hard and and the and the engineering director at red bull did not even flinch like there were no emotions on his face at all he, his his legs were not you know trembling he was not moving he i thought it was just insane to like watch that guy just not have any reaction uh, at the safety car restart i mean that is why he is at red bull at the pit wall right <laughs> <laughs> I, my leg, my legs are trembling just talking at on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, but absolutely uh, But yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah. So let's let's talk about it. We already covered the disappointing stuff from the FIA. We already talked about Max and Lewis, but the one man who who nearly made a huge difference in today's race uh, was uh, the absolute animal, the absolute legend, Sergio Perez. I mean, he made that a difference. He just, made a huge difference. Yeah, that man didn't just defend from Lewis Hamilton to keep him behind. He slowed Lewis Hamilton down by seven seconds within a space of a single lap. <laughs> that is what he did. And Max Verstappen was, you know, over eight and a half seconds behind Lewis Hamilton when both of them started fighting. Uh, you know, Sergio and Lewis started fighting. And uh, by the time that Lewis finally overtook Sergio, Max was less than a second and a half behind. uh lewis what a guy you know i mean arguably sergio hasn't had a great season like most of the drivers who changed teams but uh i think you know he he, he made his contract from red bull worth it within like just by that one lap that he put in today yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know the next year's contract too i feel absolutely i mean you know if if you take it out of context if you just look at that racing without the fact that he was defending it defending for his teammate or for the championship everything like that that bit of racing is unbelievable you do not see formula 1 cars in this in this era race like that and what sergio perez did there was absolutely breathtaking and i was i was jumping out of my seat and i could i could not believe it because <laughs> I I couldn't comprehend what Sergio Perez was going to do was doing yeah uh yeah i mean uh, max i mean max after, after you know after qualifying max didn't say a lot you know or thank didn't thank perez a lot for his for his toe per, per se because uh, there there was split opinions about how much the toe helped you know co- according to Karin Chandra on the skype at the toe that Sergio Perez gave max was happening during qualifying was less worth worth was worth less than a tenth whereas uh, alex brandel uh, you know he tweeted later on that uh, the toe was worth over 2 tenths yeah. so there was split opinions about it but max stabben didn't really you know uh, give a thank you you know a huge thank you uh, sergio uh, note yesterday yeah uh, i mean it was they, it was know, a good max, gesture but yeah nothing nothing huge yeah. basically yeah but max was like honored thanking sergio over and over again but sergio in in, in the post race interview in the pen uh did point out the fact that uh, personally he didn't like to get involved in the, you know in the in the championship battle but given the fact that that was his duty uh he he did as as much as he could and you know he was he was happy about the fact that he could help max stappen without uh you know uh i guess adversely affecting you know like he didn't crash into lewis hamilton or nothing nothing yeah. super negative happened uh to to lewis's race in in in, the, in that particular fashion but yeah uh Sergio Perez really gave us uh, one whole lap of breath breathtaking action today. Yeah, um, and I mean and and you have to give it to Red Bull too, right? You know, they they threw everything they could at Lewis Hamilton and that is 
arguably what won them in the race in the end you know uh mercedes made a call obviously it was very close so mercedes lewis was rounding the last couple of corners uh when the safety car happened so it was a little too late almost for them to not call lewis in and obviously uh, we have talked about this again you know when you have track position and it's the end of the race towards the end of the race it's hard to you know pit from first position and uh give up give up track position to get new tires because i'm pretty sure if lewis had pitted max would have stayed out on his uh relatively uh you know fresher set of hearts yeah absolutely even if lewis would have was gonna be on you know softs or whatever absolutely. so uh it's definitely harder but arguably that is uh that and and the fact that safety car restart happened uh lost them uh the race today and arguably the championship uh but yeah you have to give it to red bull's pit wall you know they threw everything at lewis that they could and you know they created the opportunity that they needed uh to win the race and the championship today yeah absolutely and i mean when they were starting for from mediums uh, from softs you know a- even though they could have gotten a better start but everyone was still questioning their strategy and how you know they would have had to make make two stops basically one to get off softs and one towards the end of the race and the way they handled the the strategy and got on a newer set of hards just bef- around midway basically and try to hound back hamilton when he would have when his hards would have dropped off towards the end i think that opportunity was good even though it would not have materialized to something but it was still a good call and then again to get those softs and that bit of strategy in in the safety car period was just unbelievable and throughout the season you know i think uh, in the pitch in the commentary they said that red bull have 17 pit stops faster like yeah. they have 17 faster pit stops than mercedes is fastest pit stop yes and yes. i think red bull have been a better unit as a whole throughout the season yeah i i do agree with that you know and uh, even today when uh, you know almost uh, i won't I, it's not surprising but you know ironically you know we have always seen bottas up there but today it was sergio who was up there to help max and uh, valtteri was nowhere to to be seen you know he qualified 6th uh didn't really give a toe to lewis hamilton he was not asked to do that yeah and then he fell to eighth uh you know during the start of the race and then was never uh up there in in, in the battle uh you know to to influence the battle in any way when when mercedes needed him the most um yeah i mean bottas nothing, you know he, he he could have done yeah bottas has done the team game has played the team game throughout his five seasons and all those times you know lewis was still comfortable in the championship and would have won the championship eventually but yeah today when they needed him the most and you know absolutely the most he was not quite there and that was a bit i mean lewis hamilton definitely missed valtteri bottas today and i i yep. think if valtteri had qualified just uh, just beside sergio perez you know 1 2 3 1 2 3 4 1 it would have been a very diff- different race uh yeah yeah I'll, i'll have to agree with you there um and uh, <laughs> valtteri did a cannonball uh, you know yeah. in, in in the paddock <laughs> that was that's pretty uh, i mean that goes goes to show you know uh, valtteri is is done with with this particular chapter of his time in f1 and he's uh, looking forward to the next one but um now before before i forget i i, I nearly forgot one question but obviously i was going to ask you about uh, you know what did you feel about michael massey not dishing out a penalty for the first lap incident between max and lewis and we covered that a little bit that you know uh, if if the safety car thing didn't happen 
Lewis would have won uh, won the race even if he had a penalty from uh, from uh, you know FIA for that particular incident. But what are your thoughts on that? Because uh, that incident was not the only incident you know uh, on the racetrack that happened today. There was another incident similar to that between Fernando Alonso and uh, Yuki Tsunoda, which wasn't p- penalized either. And in that case. Uh, you know, Yuki Tsunoda kept track position, but it was Fernando Alonso who was attacking and went off track, basically, in the third sector uh, while, you know, trying to attack Yuki Tsunoda on the inside. And he, he, even that was not penalized. Yeah, I mean... So, very surprising from the FIA, once again, you know, inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what do you feel about it? Because I feel like, you know, um, a five-second time penalty... See, like we said before, you know, catching up is one thing and passing is another. Uh, and a five-second penalty while keeping position for Hamilton would not have uh, made a difference to his race, like like we just said. Yeah, uh, abso- uh, I mean, absolutely. And see, I don't... I mean, whatever the, their decision was, I assume... I mean, yeah, okay, I, I can agree with the decision, but I think the reasoning that they gave was way out of here and anything anyone could have comprehended because they said that the time difference at the end of the lap was similar to what uh, it was before the was that incident before, right? yeah. but when you talk about lasting advantage you talk, talk about it at that corner and I and that was what was surprising that the the talk I mean at that corner Max Verstappen was ahead and he was on track and he made that corner fair and square like he has done in Imola like he's done so many times before absolutely and Lewis Hamilton took the off track route and got that advantage which lasted towards the end of the lap so I see it yeah. that way and I think most of us see it that way but they for the FIA to take it the lasting advantage and change its meaning suddenly today and call it you know at the end of the lap counted at the end of the lap i think that was pretty strange uh yeah i don't know i mean i, I, know how I, I thought it, it it should have been a five five second you know time penalty at the least and i i feel like you know w- with the way the pace is at the front uh you know at the front of the pack even that does not do enough justice and i feel you know um unless you swap positions because it was a fair move, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was an unfair move. It was a fair move. Yeah. Uh, unless you saw positions, you know, you're not uh, giving back the real advantage that is. But obviously, Lewis Hamilton was quick to think on his feet. And, you know, he did the absolute right thing to keep his race alive. And uh, even, had he pe- even had he been penalized, like I said before, uh, he would have won had the safety car thing not happened. But enough about, you know, Mercedes and Red Bull. <laughs> uh, the story is hopefully over. Uh, and we'll, we'll get the same results as we have today. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the grid. Ferrari, um, Carlos Sainz beats Charles Leclerc in the driver's standing. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so a hard, a hard. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a hard, sw- uh, you know, pill to swallow for uh, Charles Leclerc fans, but it definitely goes to show the the quality of driver that Carlos Sainz is. He's the only one driver from, you know, amongst those who switched teams to have such a successful season and beat his teammate. Uh, and you know he finished fifth in the driver standing, so that 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 goes to show a lot. And uh, on top of that, his contract ends next year at the end of next year. Oh uh, no, 2022 or 2023? I think it's year. I think it's a two-year contract. And because they yeah. were hoping to get Mick Schumacher at Ferrari for 2023. Exactly. 
for 2020 uh yeah so it ends at 2022 whereas charles clark was with the team until 2024 so i think the end of 2023 or something like that um what do you think is going to happen uh, are are they going to retain uh, carlos sainz over mick schumacher or do you think this is the opportunity red bull need uh, you know if if sergio perez doesn't work out next year uh, to get carlos sainz back into the red bull family uh i think red bull could go for it but i don't think sainz would go for it basically yeah but uh, i think carlos sainz has a real good opportunity i see if he came into the team as a second fiddle and throughout the season he was consistent he had his errors here and there but he has been consistent uh, as a as a whole package and he has been with charles leclerc throughout the season so to match charles leclerc and we all know how highly rated charles leclerc is and how underrated carlos sainz is basically so to to be neck and neck with charles leclerc uh, throughout the season and get p5 in the championship is going is is huge for carlos sainz and i think ferrari might want to re reevaluate their plan to only have carlos for two seasons and not more and yeah. i think you know if ferrari and i think uh someone i think the youtuber uh the youtube channel perspective i'm forgetting the guy's full name but i think he Uh, posted a video that said that if we have a Ferrari champion next season, I would rather have it to be Carlos Sainz than Charles Leclerc. And I think he he said that Charles Leclerc can win four four more championships after that. But I think next season he wants it to be Carlos Sainz. And that's what I'm trying to say. If Ferrari can produce that car, I think Carlos Sainz has a real good opportunity to challenge for that title. and maybe it yeah, would be yeah. a two way tight two way battle between leclerc and sainz but yeah he is got a real good chance i mean there there were rumors you know um, midway through the season that uh, charles was not getting along with mathia binotto and there was some rift between them so uh, who who knows what's <laughs> going on at ferrari and uh, what's what's going to happen in the future uh, it's always been an enigma and it always will be uh, you know that particular team yeah, uh, but it's always hard to say what's coming from them i'll okay i'll tell you this i think I mean we'll do some sort of prediction review in our season review podcast right uh-huh. and I think I have some sort of prediction that Carlos Sainz will end up ahead of Charles Leclerc <laughs> at the end of the season okay. so yeah let's see <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe uh, and obviously uh, you know like Leclerc's race got derailed after uh, he went off track uh, while Max Verstappen was joining after his uh, pit stop um, I don't I, I'm not sure if it was uh, an error because of that or if it was an error Uh, you know um that that was not associated with the fact that you know max verstappen was coming back on on the race track uh but regardless you know that is what destroyed his race but uh, you know i think he got a single point at the end of the day uh but overall a great campaign from ferrari after a disappointing 2020 season uh finishing p3 uh in in the constructors championship with a, with a fairly commanding lead in my opinion yeah absolutely they have been pretty dominant in the second half of the season Ferrari like McLaren have made their mistakes and but but Ferrari have been on spot throughout the second half of the season and not given away an inch absolutely you know McLaren um Lando Norris getting unlucky for, for <laughs> the fourth time in succession 
uh, another slow puncture for him uh, you know uh, destroying his race finishing ninth and then Danny Rick just having an anonymous race uh, you know uh, after starting 10th i think uh, today but so yeah just warning from uh, mclaren once again but but alpha tori what a weekend from them uh, you guys know that not only out qualified pierre gasly uh, in 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 a commanding way but you know he also uh, outraced him you know finishing p4 yuki's best ever finish uh, he basically equaled uh, you know uh Pierre's Pierre's best ever finish in a Toro Rosso <laughs> previously uh, uh in in his first season so you know uh, hopefully there's more to come from Yuki Tsunoda but what what a race from AlphaTauri and just goes to show you know the pace that they have had and if if they had put a few more weekends together uh they would have finished at least P5 you know right now they finished behind Alpine uh in in P6 yeah absolutely and i mean i think in Bahrain we were talking about how quick Tsunoda is how quick alfatori is and how quick pierre gasly is gasly was quick throughout the season but alfatori and sunoda could not get their weekends as a whole together and yeah i mean i think it was a good end to the season and it just like the last few races and it just go they they would have been happy because it's not like their pace completely went off after the after testing so they had the pace and they were competitive throughout but just not putting those weekends together i think once again the next season is a clean slate basically and alfatori can be hopeful because they have a a good base to build upon absolutely uh now talking about alpine you know ocon again losing out to the vsc today uh just like a couple more drivers uh and alonso um again you know having having a bit of an anonymous race with everything that was going on and the spotlight being on the on the championship leaders uh but you know alonso two years out of the out of the sport comes back and beats his teammate by 7 points i think <laughs> it's 81 to 74 uh, at the, at the end of the championship so yeah uh great season for alonso and he's been very clear about his uh disagreements with the FIA and his voice is opinion over and over again so it'll be interesting to see how fernando continues to do that uh in his uh in his second career in f1 uh so you know stay tuned for all of that um aston martin once again uh nothing to talk about uh anonymous race for both seb and stroll uh you know and then um alfa romeo having a double retirement uh sad to see kimi retire uh sad for us to see kimi retire you know um uh during the race and not able to complete his last race but i'm pretty sure kimi kimi was happy that the race got his race got done before <laughs> uh you know compared to what he what he was expecting another you know 40 laps on the on the track so i'm pretty sure he was happier uh than all his fans uh and things like that and obviously antonio gimnazzi's career at the moment in f1 comes to a pause uh as he leaves for formula e also you know retiring on t- uh during the race not being able to finish his um uh, last f1 gp for the moment um however i feel you know he ended the season on a high p9 in in jeddah uh and you know uh, hopefully he'll have a great uh, formula e career yeah absolutely i mean i was looking forward for you know it was a dream and kimi would not have done it but i was looking forward for kimi maybe seb maybe alonso and the eventual world champion to yeah, where, where were to, the donuts yeah exactly yeah. i was looking forward to it but yeah i guess we were not and it's just the way the race ended i guess yeah. you know, everybody kind of forgot about it and uh, <laughs> yeah 
yeah would have would have liked some donuts for sure yeah but i think but i guess uh, you know kimi kimi was out so uh yeah that's know, when fernando's not going out yet yeah. and you know <laughs> hamilton was disappointed and what's happened uh what's happened yeah. doesn't really celebrate you know in in that fashion i guess yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, uh, yeah that's what i'm saying like the yeah i mean even before mercedes you know uh protested it it just seemed like the celebrations were a little uh low key yeah muted in yeah. a way yeah it, they were a little muted compared to what we have seen in the previous years yeah but yeah uh williams had a great year finishing p8 you know those three the run of three great races in the middle of the season really gave them the points uh, uh you know i think they had a total of oh, they had over 20 points for sure uh and then uh, you know uh, obviously this was george williams last race with them um and nicholas levy will have another teammate on in in the team next year in alex albon but again you know disappointing to see uh, a double uh, dnf, DNF from them uh but uh i mean it was it was nicholas satifi's dnf that really <laughs> caused havoc today uh and talking about nicholas satifi's dnf uh who 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 was partially responsible for it well <laughs> well mick schumacher and who else and i mean <laughs> see there were memes and there were you know predictions and theories that mick schumacher will do anything in his hands the fans manifested it <laughs> to <laughs> to keep his father's legacy and at least he did not crash into lewis hamilton himself <laughs> but yeah i mean it was pretty unfortunate for mick and for uh, nicholas latifi but yeah it was the uh, envy yeah, dis- and yeah. uh, <laughs> we we obviously didn't have uh, mr marspen himself uh in the race uh you know obviously he tested positive for covid so hopefully um it's it's weird that he got covid you know on on race day uh, yeah. obviously <laughs> was there in qualifying and before so i yeah. i don't know i hope everyone around him who was there is at the quarantining and is safe and hopefully you know they all all recover uh from covid as soon as possible but yeah that is really the race recap uh all the attention was obviously on the top 2 uh championship contenders so there's not a whole lot point talking about it but there are a vi- there are a lot of last in this race like we've uh, you know mentioned a few already last race for Giovinazzi last race for Kimi last race for Bottas at Mercedes uh Bottas you know having a record to himself that he has made 101 Q3 appearances for Mercedes in 101 weekends with Mercedes so you know 100% Q3 record for Valtteri Bottas with Mercedes uh last race last race for George Russell and Williams next year he'll be uh hopefully challenging for the world title and we might have a first time world cha- uh, world champion next year too yeah. in George <laughs> Russell uh, based on what we get next year uh last race for Honda Honda is once again world champion uh in their uh final, last yeah, last, last season, season in the final season F1 before before they quit and come back once again uh, but we have to give it to Honda you know uh the the development curve that they had after leaving mclaren over the last 2 3 years has been insane and you know all credit to them uh and uh, I, i i'm just happy that they had such a great finish obviously they'll be involved with the red bull powertrains over the next couple of years supporting them uh but uh, the honda name will not be present on the grid uh and in my opinion you know honda did produce a better power unit this year compared to mercedes and that is uh you know it was arguably equal or you know n- not as behind in performance and way better uh, on reliability which was one of their biggest issues uh, literally one season ago yeah and i mean it it was a great redemption arc for honda from you know from 2015 to now 2020 2021 6 7 years it has been phenomenal 
phenomenal and honda and you know the leadership behind honda not just the track team but the leadership behind honda can be proud of what they have achieved after a very disappointing return to formula 1 with mclaren yeah absolutely uh this was also the last race for uh are not so beloved 13 inch tires next year uh onwards we'll have 18 inch tires and hopefully they'll be a little more predictable uh and uh, a lot more durable when i say durable i mean you know no, no uh crazy you know tire bursts or tire failures when i say durable i mean more raceable uh and things like that so hopefully you know they'll they'll give us better racing all in all um it was also the last race for uh, like vedan puts it architecturally intricate architecturally <laughs> intricate yet beautiful barge boards uh, all the words that i can't say together uh, and it was also the last race for uh, this generation of cars and arguably the fastest cars in f1 ever uh, at least you know for for at least next year but i i doubt that uh, and besides all of that uh, you know obviously john todd retired from fia this past week so this was also the last race for him as the president of president of fia uh and both ross brown and pat simons will be retiring from f1 uh from the technical committee uh you know and uh, i feel stefano domenicali is losing uh losing valuable members of his team at the moment and you know hopefully he'll find other people to support him uh in 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 the future yeah absolutely and i mean i think i i told you in the chat that john todd's last race i mean he could not have he would have wished for a better last race and a less controversial one for him as the last race of his presidency but i mean uh it's what he did with FIA and you know starting those initiatives like the rising stars program for the girls and all these things it was a good initiative taking formula e as a world championship and certain things like that he has he has had a good and respectable uh, tenure there were moments where there was a lot of controversy but yeah that is true with formula 1 as a whole so no complaints there but ross brown and pat simmons i think formula 1 will miss them a lot and i, I mean they are the architects behind the 2022 cars that are about to come yeah absolutely i mean i wish they would have stayed for at least one more season to oversee these cars get into yeah. the action right but yeah i think uh they have made the decisions after a long after long long careers and they are they are too experienced for us to say anything else right yeah hope, hopefully they'll hang around as pundits uh, you know for us to hear from them and see you know yeah they might uh, what they have to say yeah absolutely and they might even go in you know fia leadership basically and yeah yeah so yeah uh, yeah we we'll, we will see what's to come from them uh but yeah what a season vedant um and it's 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 finally come to an end uh and we'll obviously look at all of this one last time but uh before we conclude this podcast we also have to talk about formula 2 uh obviously the formula 2 season came to an end a couple hours before uh the final race f1 final f1 race started at abu dhabi oscar piastri was crowned champion on saturday after sprint race 1 but that did not stop him from winning another feature race in f2 uh this morning but uh you know i'll let vedant carry on from here and explain to us what happened in f2 over the last weekend Yeah absolutely Oscar Piastri once again took pole position his fifth in a row and as as I said last week just unbelievable 
I mean, Formula 2 is so competitive and the way Oscar Piastri has been going about it, the the calmness in his approach has been phenomenal. Uh, yeah, like last season, he was all over the place. He looked a little scared and nervous, but this season he has been a true champion. Uh, but they, even after that, you know, he, he still won the championship last year too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the championship last year was down to the wire and it was... I think he won the championship while he was down in 4th or 5th, 6th place and his teammates had to let him through or something like that. Okay. But yeah, uh, he this is his third championship in 3 years. Formula Renault, Formula 3 and Formula 2, he has won 3 championships as a rookie and that is no easy feat as we have said again and again and again. And only 2 other people have won this uh, new rebranded Formula 2 series as rookies and those are Charles Leclerc and George Russell and that just shows that he that just gives you the idea of the quality of the company he has Oscar Piastri uh, he as you said he won the feature race and yeah he's Formula 2 champion and like it's a it's a great shame that he won't be racing anything next year and it's it's he said that he he can have four championships in a row if he gets to be champion of sitting on the couch. So that was pretty <laughs> yeah, blunt. So uh, if, if if not Carlos to Red Bull, is it Oscar Piastri to Red Bull in 2023 if Sergio doesn't work out next year? I mean, Red Bull have way more options than Liam Lawson and uh, Yuri Vips and Jehan Jaruwala. And Oscar and Piastri just beat them all by a mile. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think Red Bull will uh, override their yeah. academy drivers, you know. The Sergio Perez was a different, uh, like he was I mean, an it, exception. It was a different scenario with yeah, Sergio Perez. Absolutely, and, you know, they had absolutely. to make that exception given, uh, given uh, where they found themselves at the end of last year. Yeah, absolutely. Now coming on to the man who is joining Alpine, Guanujo. He won race two. He finished on the podium in the feature race, and I mean he basically helped him and. Uh, Dragovic, Filipe Dragovic helped Univo Churosi to get second place in the team's championship on the last race. So yeah, that's that's good. And for Jehan Daruwala, you know, he won a brilliant first race with a brilliant bit of defending. Filipe Dragovic was all over him, but Jehan did not give an inch. He finished seventh in the championship, which is a good result if you think about it. If you think about the bad luck and the penalties he has had, uh, he finished ahead of Liam Lawson, who is so high, highly rated in the Red Bull Academy. And he finished just behind Yuri Vips, just some seven seven points behind Yuri Vips. So it, it was close. And yeah, I mean, we, we don't know what his uh, next season will bring us, but he is about to make some announcement announcements very soon. Robert Schwarzman finished Man. second in the championship and Primo Prema obviously took the team's championship. <laughs> but Prema took the team's championship by like yeah. <laughs> half I mean, as many points as, yeah, it's, as you and I virtual see. Prema is like Mercedes right now. They win in every championship basically and they win, yeah. win every year. But yeah, I think that's about it. Um, but yeah, and like, it, it was a great close to the F2 season too. 
obviously um the conversation does not end here we'll be here next week with with a uh, you yeah, sorry i keep saying race recap with a season recap <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about how we got to the point we got to and uh, obviously we'll be keeping an eye on the developing story of the mercedes uh, appeal uh, if if they choose to go to ica or not and we'll be we'll keep bringing you more and more conversation uh, throughout uh, even the winter break Obviously racing doesn't stop you know uh, racing resumes in January with formula E and uh, other junior racing series like the F4 UAE so there'll be plenty to talk about even when F1 is getting ready for their next season in 2022 in March but uh, thank you for joining us thank you for joining me Vedan today it has been tiring uh, i know it's almost 3 am in india <laughs> so you know uh, thank you for being up i know you have to go to work tomorrow morning but uh yeah it's it's been it's been a whirlwind season and uh i'm just so happy to have shared it with you uh but yeah we'll we'll talk again in a week's time thank you for listening to us and i'll catch you on the next one